and may not be lost but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world guilty but to save the world through him. God, good morning online community. It's great to have you here at our Christmas Eve service. When people are in distress, like if they're in the mountains and they get lost, or they're on a trail and they get lost, or they're out to sea and they get lost, and they are desperate and in need of rescue, what is the one thing they try to send out to somebody who might see it or hear it sos do you know what that stands for it means yes at first it meant uh that i'm that i'm reaching to you i'm in distress it was then reduced down to save our ship then to save our souls it is morse code that was developed in the 1830s by samuel fb morse and it's three little taps, a long, and then a three little taps, SOS. Now, iPhones use it now. If you get into a car accident, right, they will SOS to the first responders. Or we've reduced it all the way down to if you're on a bad date and you need rescue, you text your girlfriend, right, SOS, get me out of this day, give me an out. There are four types of SOSs. Uh, there are four types of what are called search and rescue, S-A-R. Everybody say S-A-R. Search and rescue. There's mountain, there's ground, there's avalanche, and there is sea. Every year, mountain rescue, the U.S. Uh, National uh, Forestry, they spend $5 million rescuing people that went off the trail. Avalanche Rescue spends $9 million a year rescuing people. The U.S. Coast Guard is leading the pack, saving 114 amateur sailors a day. <laughs> That'd probably much be everyone here except for Commander Dan, who probably has never gotten lost at sea in his many years as a commander in the Navy. 114 people a day get saved. And it costs them $680 million a year saving people. Do you guys remember in 2010, the 33 Chilean uh, copper miners? Remember that? And they were trapped down in a copper mine for 68 days. They huddled in a little room they called the refuge. And they were able to communicate with their family members up above through a borehole that the miners drilled down so that they could speak to the family members. And so the families then built a tent city around that area just waiting for a message that their loved ones were saved or alive. NASA was be able to communi communicate through that borehole about uh, medical needs, about nutrition, and about the psychological effects of being trapped down in that cave for that long. And after 68 days, they were rescued so we know of four search and rescue uh departments one is the mountain the other is the ground the other is avalanche and the other is 
see. But do you know God introduced one more department? I call it S-S-A-R. Spiritual search and rescue. Look what Jesus says about this. In the gospel, Jesus says this. For the Son of Man, speaking of Himself, Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, fully God, fully man. The Son of Man came to do what? Say it out loud. Seek and save those who are lost. And God's S-A-R, S-S-A-R team, God does not want anyone lost. He wants to rescue everyone. Look what he says in the Bible here. It says, the Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises. This is the Apostle Peter writing this. The Lord is not slow about keeping his promises. What promises? His second return. Today we're celebrating his first coming. But there's a second coming. After the season of grace between the first time Jesus came, the Son of God came to seek and save those of us who are lost. After this season of grace is over, the curtain drops and Jesus returns not as a baby, but as the King of kings and the Lord of lords with the heavenly army behind him. And the season of grace is over. The time allotted for those who are lost to be saved is over. And Jesus comes to reign and rule on the earth. For a thousand years, then he puts Satan and all the fallen angels that got kicked out of heaven into a fiery furnace for all of eternity. So we are in the season of grace right now where God's SSAR team the spiritual search and rescue team is out looking for everyone who is lost. And so we see the Apostle Paul, Peter says, the Lord is not slow about keeping his promises, as some people think he is. It's like, right, you guys, you Christians have been talking about Jesus returning for 2,000 years. Why hasn't he come back? Because of you. You're the one holding him up because you haven't said yes to him yet. That's what Peter literally says. Jesus has not come back yet because when he does, you're out. God loves you so much. He's waiting for you to say yes to his son so you can be rescued. And if you do not say yes to him, when Jesus comes back the second time, your opportunity to be rescued is over. And you will spend eternity separated from God. Forever and ever, no, no more SR team is coming out for you at that point. That's why God is slow in sending his son the second time. I'm so glad somebody told me this when I was 19 years old. I was a hedonist. I was a great sinner. You could not out me. I mean, I was good at it. Coming home. The next morning, asking my friends who drove us all home last night, and they say, you did? <laughs> don't even remember. I don't know how I got out alive, other than the grace of God. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about how insane it was, the way that I was living my life, so reckless. You just think that you're indestructible as a teenager. You just think that, I, you know, nothing bad is going to happen to me. But my brother didn't make it out. I was 16. 
He was 20. He was my idol. I looked up to my older brother. He was everything to me. And he was out partying with his buddies one day, and they played chicken where, you know, he's standing on a gravel parking lot, and his friend is coming at him with a car, and it's who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna jump out of the way or who's going to hit the brakes first. And so my brother didn't move, and his best friend hit the brakes, but he was on gravel. Ran him over. He's in my other brother's arms, blood coming out of his mouth, internal bleeding, rushed him to the hospital. And the hospital did not have his type of blood, so he died. My, my other brother who was holding my oldest brother in his arms after he got ran over was in the chapel at the church, or at the hospital. He was in the chapel in the hospital, kneeling before the cross, praying to God, that his brother would be saved. And my dad walked into the chapel and told my brother, your brother just died. I was the youngest of six, and these are my two older brothers. So the middle brother, who was kneeling before the cross, stood up, flipped the bird at the cross, turned around and walked out, and for four years did everything he could to go to hell as fast as he could. Grand Theft Auto, breaking enterings, drugs, dealing drugs, everything he could. And then he met a girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes guys go to church for the girl. You know that, right? And then they run into Jesus. He asked this girl, why are you so joyful all the time? She said, because I'm a Christian. And he said, don't ever use the name of Jesus in my presence again. And so a couple months later, he asked her again, why are you always so joyful? And she said, Jesus. So he went to church with her. And he sat there and he listened to the gospel message, which is what I'm giving you here today. That God loved you so much. You heard it through the children. God's love the world loves you so much that he sent his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And my brother sat there and heard the gospel message. And the pastor called people forward to give their life to Jesus. And my brother just sat there angry and bitter. And then he heard someone say to him, Don Allen is with me. And he turned around. Wondering who said that? Because Don Allen was our older brother who died. And he sat there and he was staring at the stage and he heard the voice again. Don Allen is with me. He got up, he ran down to the front, gave his life to Jesus, and he's been serving the Lord now for over 40 years. Yeah. Gloriously saved. Thank God my brother Don Allen had given his life to Jesus before his friend ran him over. So that I'll see him again when I get to heaven. What is the motivation of people sending out SAR teams? 
to rescue people? What is the motivation behind the $680 million a year? Other people, first responders, risking their lives to save somebody else's life. The amount of energy and the resources spent on saving even one person. A whole team going out to save one person. What's the motivation behind that? Love. God so loves you that he has sent heaven to chase you down and to save you. Now here is the amazing thing. Here's, here's, the, here's the part of this that breaks down, these search and rescue teams. When people are lost and in distress and desperate and knowing that they are going to die if they don't get rescued, they send out an SOS in any way they can. Message in a bottle, a flare, waving a flag, whatever they can do. Here's the strange thing about us as the human race. We don't think we're lost. We are lost, Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. He means the entire human race. We're lost, we're in distress, we're desperate, and we have no hope. And if you die without Jesus, you spend an eternity in eternal darkness separated from God in a place called hell. But we don't know that. We don't believe that. And so God reverses the communication system where the Chilean miners that are down in the cave and the miners bore a hole down so that the miners can communicate to their family members from, from, the, from their, where they're trapped out. God uses the portal to talk to us to say what? You're lost. You're trapped. You have no hope of escape. That's what I am. I'm a preacher of this message to you today. But you have to believe it. God spends his days and nights trying to convince and persuade every human being on earth, you are lost and desperate, and I can save you. No one else can, and I will save you if you will just call out to my son, Jesus. The gospel, this is what I do when I share the gospel with people, and I'm going to say it with you, to you today. The first message of the gospel is that you are lost, and there is no hope for you. You are not going to go to heaven. There's no chance. Your wealth won't get you there. You can't buy your salvation. Your good works will not get you there. The Bible says your good works are like dirty rags in God's sight. He is righteous, holy, pure, perfect. Heaven is a perfect place. And you're not going to show up and ruin it for everybody. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So you can't do a good, enough good works to balance the scales to where your good works outweigh your bad works. So the Bible says the penalty of sin is 
is not good works. The penalty of sin is eternal death and separation from God. The Bible says you die once and then you're judged. And there is a book that has every sin you've ever committed, every lustful thought, every greedy desire, every uh, measure of unforgiveness, every sin you've ever committed has been recorded in a book, the book of sins. Did you know that? So that when you die and you show up to heaven and you try to get in through your good works, God will open the books. Why would he do that? Because he is a righteous judge. How many of you enjoy injustice on this side of heaven? You like it when injustice prevails. Anybody here like that? When you know somebody's guilty and you see the courts let the person go, somebody who was raped, somebody who was murdered, somebody who was a mass shooter, and what if a judge just said, you know what, you're a good boy, like deep down, you're a good boy, and just let him go? How many of you would rejoice over that kind of injustice? None of us. We hate injustice. It's not right. And yet we think we're going to show up to the judge of all the earth and not be judged for our sins against him and one another. It's just not going to happen. He has to judge us. Or he is no longer a righteous judge. That's the bad news. Everybody say, that's the bad news. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's bad news. I came to church today to hear some good news. So here's the good news. God loves you so much. The Bible says his mercy trumps, triumphs over judgment. His mercy, judgment day, your judgment day is coming. The one thing we all share in common is we're all going to die. And then the judgment. So before that judgment day, God's mercy jumped ahead of his judgment and sent his son Jesus to the earth. To live a sinless life for you so then he could be the perfect sacrifice for you. He traded places with you on that cross. And God poured all the judgment that's coming your way. He poured it all on his son for you. It was a trade. But you have to accept it. You have to accept the free gift of salvation. You have to say yes to Jesus. And the second you say yes, God's search and rescue team saves you. He forgives you of your sins instantaneously. And the moment you say yes to Jesus, then he pours his spirit into your soul. And you are what Jesus calls born again. You are saved. Can I hear an amen? So let's look at the scripture again. God loved the world so much. You know, you have different levels of love, right? Like you love your car, right? You love your Beamer. You just got it. You're all about it. It's like Ava and your car are like neck and neck, right? In your love zone, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He said, yes, what a fool. Oh my gosh. To be young and dumb again. 
<laughs> I gave you a, a softball. That was a softball, man. And you whiff. Woo. And sometimes girls only give you one strike, not three. So I don't know where you guys are right now. It's Christmas. How many of you, you buy a car, you love it, but when the repairs become more expensive than the value of the car, what do you do? Yeah, you get rid of it, you trade it in. So your love for your car only goes so far. Okay, what about a cat? Or a dog? Or a chicken if you live in Ramona? Your pets, right? What about your pets? A goat, okay? You, how, many of you are, how many of you are animal lovers? You got a pet, you look at this, right, right. But what about when the vet bill, there's a threshold, isn't there? Is there 500? We got, all right, you got 500. Do I hear, do I hear 600? Do I hear 600? 500 is his threshold for fluffy. When the vet bill gets a certain, to a certain threshold, the value of the pet Sorry, Fluffy. What about a child? What's the threshold for one of your children? Your life. You would give your life for your child, wouldn't you? God so loved you that he gave his child. He didn't send an angel, a representative. God himself came down. To save you. Gave his only son so that whoever. Not just the good people. Whoever. That could be you today. You are the whoever he's talking about. Believes. Whoever believes. Not whoever works the hardest for God. The one who is the best person. The one who gives the most money. The one who goes to church the most often. The one who sets up more chairs. The missionaries. No. Everybody say whoever. Whoever believes in him may not be lost but have eternal life. For God did not. Now this verse 17 I love. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world guilty. Is the world guilty? Yes. We're all guilty before God. That's already established. God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world guilty. And guess what, family of God? He's not sending us to judge the world guilty either. That's not our job. That's not our assignment. That's not our message. Unless the person doesn't believe they are guilty, do everything you can to convince them that they are. Because their judgment day is coming. But we don't condemn people. He did, he did not send a son into the world to judge the world guilty. When the search and rescue team shows up, there's somebody who did not bring a map with them, so they went off the trail and then they got stuck and they're going to die. When the search and rescue team finally finds them, what's the first thing they say to him? You idiot. Right? Isn't that what they tell them to say? You pathetic human being that wasted all of our resources because you couldn't use your brain, right? Is that God's heart? Is that God's message? No. 
He doesn't judge the world guilty, but saves the world through him. The word judge means to decide and condemn. The word to judge means to decide. You look at somebody, you look at their life, you look at their decision, you look at the situation. A judge looks at all the evidence and then says, I've decided you're guilty. You are now condemned to so many years in prison or condemned to death with the death penalty, whatever it is. You decide, then you judge. The Bible says God did not send Jesus to come into the world to judge and condemn us. Thank God. It says he came to save the world through him. The word save literally means to rescue and restore. Once you have given your life to Jesus, and I'm going to come to a close here, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Right here, right now, today on this Christmas Eve. And the whole reason Jesus came is for you, and this Christmas Eve could be the day that you say yes to Jesus, like I did when I went to church after this guy at work just kept bugging me to go to church. And the only reason I went was so he would stop asking me to go to church. That's why I went. And I walked in, and I was raised in a religion that was very structured, very formulaic, very orthodox, very religious. And that's all I knew. And I walk into a place like this. I'd never been into a place like this before. Everybody was happy and nobody was stoned. I didn't understand it. I really didn't. Nobody was drunk. Nobody was on shrooms. Nobody was smoking. And everybody was happy and joyful. And I thought, what is this? Then I heard the gospel message like you just heard today. I went three times and just listened. And then I went home. I knelt down by my bed and I said, Jesus... I don't know if you're real or not. Like, are you that little plastic thing that was on my grandma's dashboard that would stare at me when I was in the back seat? And my grandma's driving the station wagon to Jesus. She had a little plastic Jesus on the dashboard. And I was like, just, it would just stare at me. Like, is that, are you real? I don't know if you're real or not. But if you are, I'm inviting you into my life. No angels appeared, no glory balls fell from the sky, but I tell you what did happen, the emptiness that was inside of me went away. And peace entered my soul. And my girlfriend, who I was in love with, sorry honey, this is a long time ago. My college girlfriend, who's... Yeah. You and I shouldn't hang out together. We're going to get each other in trouble. <laughs> she said, I can't stand you putting Jesus before me. Because she had not given her life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus while we were a thing. And I was changing. That emptiness was gone. And she was told me, you have to choose between me and Jesus. And I was, tears coming down my face, tears coming down her face, sitting in the front seat of my car. And I said, all I know is you can't do in me what he did. There's no way I'm giving this up. Whatever this is, I'm not giving it up. And that was 41 years ago. Then I got me a godly woman. I call her my sexy Mother Teresa. She's got the heart of Mother Teresa, but... Mm. 
So here's the thing. Once you give your life to Jesus, you are on his SSAR team, his spiritual search and rescue team. Now you are partnered with Jesus to tell your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers that they are lost and they need to be rescued and Jesus is their savior. You are on God's search and rescue team. If you're a believer and you're bored, it's because you haven't told anybody that's lost about Jesus in a long time. Because once you realize you are on his SSAR team, life becomes exhilarating again because you are a search and rescue agent going out to find and seek and save the lost with Jesus. And you will never experience a joy on this side of heaven like praying with somebody and have them cross the line and come to Jesus as their savior. There is such a joy that explodes in your heart when you get to participate in that because God's in there. And all of heaven, the Bible says, all of heaven throws a massive party when one sinner repents. God gets more joy out of one sinner turning to his son Jesus than all the Christians that are in churches all over the planet today. God loves the fact his children are in church and worshiping him. But, he, but there's more joy over one sinner who gets saved because we're all going to heaven if you've given your life to jesus but if you have not you're not and god is pursuing you and trying to rescue you that's why we'll close with second corinthians 5 19 what we mean is that god was in christ offering peace and forgiveness to the people of this world and he has given us the work of sharing his message about this peace i'm going to read that again what we mean what i mean by everything i've said to you today what we mean the apostle paul says is that god was in christ offering peace that's the peace that entered my soul the day i said yes the second i said yes to jesus God is offering you peace today for your soul. Eternal peace, not temporary peace. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a peace the world cannot give to you. I don't care how much dope you smoke, how much money you make, how wonderful your marriage is, what beaches you kick back on, going down to, where are you guys going? Cancun tomorrow. Can you put me in a suitcase? Can I go? I want to go with you guys. But no matter how serene and how peaceful that is, I hope, family vacations, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no matter how, no matter the most serene moment of your life on this planet cannot come close to comparing to the peace that the Prince of Peace will put into your heart the moment you say yes to him as your Savior. That's the peace God is offering you today. What we mean is that God is offering in Christ peace, forgiveness to the people of this world, and he has given us the work of sharing this message about peace. You're either on God's SSAR team today, or you need to be rescued. If you have never yet said yes to Jesus, Jesus, I am spiritually lost and I need you. I need to know my sins are forgiven before God. 
And God sent you to save me. And I'm saying yes. You're one of the Chilean miners. You're trapped. And you need to say yes to God's rescue team today. If you were to do that in this prayer I'm about to pray with you, you will experience what I experienced. All the burden of your sin, the guilt is going to literally disappear. And his peace is going to enter your soul. And I want to say to you believers, followers of Christ. If you are not sharing this message with those who are lost, you are not doing your job. You are on God's search and rescue team. That is to be the primary purpose of your life. And if it's not, you'll always wonder what is God's purpose for my life? That's it. Whether you're a doctor or a nurse or a custodian or a mechanic or a student or a mother, whatever you are, the occupation is irrelevant. Your mission is to seek and save those who are lost. Will you close your eyes? This moment right now and for those of you online that are with me this moment right now is for you it's for those of you who have never said yes to jesus and this is your opportunity if you have never said yes to god's search and rescue team jesus christ and the holy spirit and you know that you are lost God's drawing you right now. You feel it in your heart. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. And God will do the rest. If that's you, will you slip your hand up right where you are in your chair and say, I need to be saved. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need my sins forgiven. I need to know I'm right with God. I need rescue. Would you slip your hand up? right where you are in your seat, high enough for me to see it. And I'm going to pray a prayer that we're all going to pray together for you to come to Jesus. And those of you online as well. Okay, if you've never said yes to Jesus, just pray this prayer out loud. Let's all pray this prayer together out loud. Say, Dear God, I believe that you sent your Son to rescue me I need my sins forgiven I need the peace that only you can give so I'm saying yes today to Jesus I receive you Jesus as my savior I will follow you all the days of my life I want you to pray this one more last one last thing say dear God fill me with your Holy Spirit let me know your joy and your peace and your hope right now I believe the Holy Spirit just showed me something for someone in here today in that moment this is really amazing this is um, God is still speaking today do you believe that the Holy Spirit is still moving today. And many times he will 
reveal something to my heart that he's doing in somebody else's heart. And then when I speak it to you, you'll know it's you and you'll know it's God. Just as you received God's forgiveness, right then immediately I felt the Holy Spirit moving my heart to say to you that he now wants you to forgive somebody that you've been holding an offense against. We just close your eyes for a moment because somebody's going to get set free in here today. The Lord says, just in the same, with the same forgiveness I just forgave you with. Extend that forgiveness to that person. I'm going to give you just a moment to do it. And this is going to be the best Christmas you ever had. Because you're going to be set free. Get that person in your mind now and just say. Say this out loud. Say, God, in the same way that you have forgiven me, I now forgive him or her. all stand and worship.
gift. You cannot earn it. If you've never given your life, you didn't when I prayed with you, and you're ready now, this is the season of grace. You never know when Jesus is going to return and the season of grace is over. So I'm going to call the prayer teams for. We're going to have some prayer teams up here. These are folks that are ready to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Some of you today, you got saved and rescued a long time ago, but you have gone off the trail again. You've had an avalanche of life, an avalanche of sin that has buried you and you're buried with guilt and shame. And I want to say to you today, you're still God's child. And He's ready to forgive you completely. And give you a fresh start this Christmas Eve with the Son. And so, maybe you are rescued. And you need to be rescued again. Not saved again. That only happens one time. But maybe you need to come back to Jesus. And if that's you, um, when we dismiss, if you want to come up, give your life to Jesus. Come up, give your life back to Jesus. Or, in our church, we believe in miracles. Jesus, we've seen physical, miraculous healing miracles. We've seen answered prayers that were impossible. But all things are possible with God. Somebody here has a marriage that looks hopeless. And if that's you, when we dismiss, I'm going to ask you, if you come up and just ask for prayer for your marriage. God is the healer, the restorer. He's the one that can supernaturally reconcile. He can touch people's hearts in the way that counselors cannot, medication cannot, the Holy Spirit can. Maybe you need a miracle today of some kind. When I dismiss, I'm going to ask you to come this way. Come up to these prayer teams. Let them pray with you. Let's watch God do a miracle. Well, God bless you. God's face is smiling upon you his peace is going with you and if you have given your life to Jesus make a commitment from this day forward that you are going to be on God's S-S-A-R team spiritual search and rescue in Jesus name God bless have a great Christmas I'll see you next Sunday